awesome. I want to get into episode 9. Aim for the bushes right away because we missed so much time. So, the number one thing on the top of the list is the Nuggets are the NBA champions. They walk through the fire and defeat the Miami Heat 4-1. Nikola Jokic secured the Bill Russell Award and won Finals NBA Finals MVP. Truly a feature to behold, and the Nuggets are just high, riding high after that incredible victory. <clears throat> Dame is looking to potentially move to on from the Blazers, as he feels most likely he will never win if they choose not to invest in him, surrounding with the proper talent. Um, it seems like he's not interested in going to the Celtics and even laughed off the thought of coming here. Um, <clears throat> I don't know why I feel so awkward today. We'll get, we'll get more into the vibe of it though. You know? Uh, to continue on with the NBA season though, John Morant is suspended for, is going to be suspended for flashing another weapon on NBA Live on on IG Live um, we are just wrapping up with the uh, finals so probably in the next week or two we'll see his suspension since they were waiting for the end of all the NBA season to roll that out but you know it's looking like it's going to be pretty tough for him Sion uh, has also, in the past few weeks, been wrapped up in some controversy regarding baby mama drama. It's been tough, but at the end of the day, you know, he's gonna he's gonna have to get through it and, you know, get back on the court because that's the number one thing nobody's seen from him up until this point. So, you know, that's, that's his shot should be his focus no matter what is going on out here. I feel like I just want to get that out there. Patriots in the past few weeks were fined uh, two OTAs but now they're back into mandatory practices nothing has happened since then and you know everything has been reported to be pretty good actually from what I see about reports from camp and the news and everything of that nature um, so DeAndre Hopkins was cut since the last episode. Uh, he's interviewed with the Titans so far and is now looking to go check out the Patriots next. Um, of course, they have to take a look with the wide receiver room that they have. Uh, hopefully, the interview goes well. It'll be a good pickup if they can do it. Um, the first session of the OTAs occurred in... The rest of the practices have given the first session of OTAs gave us a good taste of Christian Gonzalez's athleticism, the first round pick of the Patriots. But the rest of the practices have followed up with some nice showings from the from the young player. He uh, has a lot to has a lot to show for the team, or has a lot to prove with the team. You know, as a number one or as their first pick. But I think so far he's doing pretty pretty well um the 
UFC 298 just occurred. I think it was 298. Um, and Amanda Nunez announced her retirement after an impressive showing that exemplified her dominance. It was honestly kind of depressing to see like such a one-sided showing when obviously she was going to have her last fight of you know her career at that point. But at the same time, you know, it's good to see her get out of there with the win. That's all that matters, you know, a true GOAT and exemplified it in other ways, not just in the sport, but in how she acted, which is kind of rare in this, in this, you know, and fighting. So thank you, Amanda. And, you know, hopefully she does well in the rest of her career. Um, also, Charles Oliveira secures the win by finish. Uh, I mean, who doubted that that would happen, but the Brazilian base fighter uh, got a first round knockout over Benil Dariush, who with very legitimate talent and possibly secures his rematch with Islam Makhachev for the uh, for the belt. You know, he is gonna probably be the next fighter up. Uh, in other news, the Ultimate Fighter is premiered to mixed reviews. Conor McGregor just had his third fighter lose in a row with Chandler's team looking pretty impressive in all three fights. Two knockouts so far and a impressive showing and a uh, decision based win. So Conor McGregor definitely has to step it up because Chandler's team is absolutely destroying him. Uh... Then the Aljo, in other news, with the UFC, um, the August 19th Boston card had the Aljo and Sean O'Malley book se fight seemingly booked for then. Um, Aljo's been talking a lot about it, calling Sean O'Malley out for trying to get him to book it as soon as possible, and having Dana work with him on that, but... It seems like it's going to happen. It's, you know, still being talked about. still everywhere posted for the uh, UFC website, UFC advertisement. So I would expect that it's the, what they expect. And, you know, um, until I hear otherwise, that's what's going to happen. And hopefully I get to go and show you guys a little bit of what happens. Um, so we also have... Um, <laughs> Hamzat is still not booked officially, even though Abu Dhabi is co closing in. Uh, I just wanted to give a little bit of an update on that, I guess. I wrote that down, so I thought that's kind of funny to read after I'm checking out some of my notes. Um, but, you know, something else I was reading today is that now, probably a bit less, uh, Conor McGregor is under 48 hours to be able to fight to be able to enroll with USADA so that he can fight at the final card of the year. If he does not, then he has no ability to make it to that card. And, you know, you're looking at a fight in 2024 because he can't pass a drug test, most likely. At least not right now. Um, which is kind of scary, but whatever. <laughs> um, and... 
Finally, Dana White has made Tyson Fury an offer for a fight with John Jones in the uh, Octagon. Uh, of course, Tyson Fury refused, saying that he fights Kingsbury only. No, no going to the ground for him, boy. So, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but something that's been talked about a little bit over the past month, and John Jones even entertained the idea of a boxing match to some degree, which, I mean, he knows the reality of what would happen, but hey, if he can make the money, right? Um, and then the biggest Knights have taken a have taken the Stanley Cup home in the NHL and the Florida Panthers have finally have their train halted. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they, they had a great team, you know, that showed a lot more than it really uh than really was expected of it but at the end of the day they they ran into a brick wall with that vegas knights team um cassidy all the way down everybody was had some fire under their ass and wanted to win so let's get into this episode let's go at night Let's get into some basketball talk. So, I guess we can start off with Ja. <sighs> I mean, I have no idea what's going on with him. He really is just kind of making mistakes at the cost of his own career. This is insane. I don't know if he's doing it to rebel against the NBA or what's going on, but it just doesn't make sense to me in terms of how much he has in the palm of his hand. But, who are we to judge, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's his career. He has so much potential, and he's so young that he, he can come back and still have so much to prove. or Not even so much to prove, but he can still prove so much later on in his career just by winning an NBA title, everybody forgets, you know? So I think that just by having this happen, it's it's very disappointing, I think, for everybody. But... And one championship and everybody forgets. At least in Boston. You know, nobody nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be mad at you if you bring home the title. So he just needs to, you know, get it together. Get some people in his circle that are gonna tell him when he has a stupid a some stupid feelings, stupid emotions, stupid rebellious emotions, and you know, from there. He has the most the most potential in the world, you know, Derek Rose, like, he has the, 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 the swag, the, the skill, everything that he needs to do so much in terms of star power and winning in the NBA. I mean, I, I don't see why he doesn't know that, or doesn't take advantage of that more, but hey, 
you know, better people in his circle, and he will, and everybody wins for that reason. So, hopefully, that's what happens, right? It's what you should be hoping for. So, John Morant, outside, or outside of John Morant, you have Zion in hot water with his life. I think there's not much that I want to get into with that, of course. But I think it's just crazy that he really gets into this situation where people are exposing him for things that, you know, obviously are his private life, you know. I I feel bad for him in that in that case, but a dude who just he needs everything to be off or on the court, you know, that's his that should be his main issues of stuff on the court. He's wasting his time, he's wasting his money, he's wasting his potential doing stuff like this. You know, I, I'm sorry, I just think it's it's the truth, it's not worth it. He has too much to give, and he's giving it away to people who don't deserve it. So, you know, Zion, don't waste your life. You're farther down the hole than John Morant, in my opinion. I think John Morant and Zion are in two completely different places. And I would say most people agree, but, you know, I think a lot of people really don't like what John did. Um... So... Sorry, I got a bit lost. But, hey, I think, you know, I want to jump to the actual basketball now. You know, we don't have to talk about the negative stuff the whole time. But when you're really thinking about it, after I took the Clippers, you know, I, I knew that that had gone down. I said it was the Nuggets on the go. Here, not not Jokic. I I should have you know. They they should put me up in the Raptors, but really, you know, like big congrats to them. The reason that I had said that at that point was just because I thought that Jokic had the potential. I thought this team had the potential at multiple points before. You know, I thought Jamal Murray getting hurt was the reason they didn't win last time, and you know nothing was gonna stop them from winning this time. And look at look at what they did. I mean, it was something intensely awesome to see this team pull it out. First championship for the Nuggets organization brings interest to the Colorado basketball scene, brings interest to Jokic, Serbia basketball, European basketball, and, you know, makes this team look like the contender that they deserve to look like for the last few years. And on top of that, does embarrass Joel Embiid. I mean, even though I supported his MVP campaign, you know, it was under the guise of he has not, they, neither of these guys have won postseason, and Jokic has won two seasons in a row in very head-to-head matchups, and now in a season where he could really go head-to-head again, you know, you have to give it to the guy who is not won it, you know, and where they end up doing the same thing every year, but... I think Jokic proved us all wrong.
I think he showed the difference between doing it and taking breaks and doing it. And I guess, you know, being like doing it in the regular season because it's, you know, just easy. And it's possible. Like, if you're not facing people who are trying their hardest, you can dominate with a, maybe, you know, 30 points and however many rebounds a game. But once people start trying, all of a sudden the game gets really hard, right? But this team is left with the, this team as in the Nuggets is left with the best situation going forward. They, they have a great player. They have a great cast of players behind them. And, you know, if they can continue to pay them, then I don't see why they wouldn't go forward with the same team minus a few changes to maybe pay them more or whatever. It, it, it does not matter because, you know, they have some of the best main members of the team and that's really what matters in the NBA. Um, outside of that, of course, you got to talk about the Heat. You know, they put up a great fight. They they had some insane showings. Um, Strews, uh, Martin, um, you know, obviously Butler, Adebayo, all showed up, did their thing, had very important matchups with, you know, different people throughout the playoffs and, you know, were able to do things that made this team succeed past what it probably should have. And, you know, I think a lot of people would agree with that. So it's just really cool to see in that way that they not only, not only succeeded more than they should have, but did it with players that you never would have expected to see. But at the same time, of course, we'll run back to how that affects the teams that lost to them, including the Celtics, which is just an embarrassing, embarrassing showing because the Heat should not have been as good as they are, which is why it's so impressive to see, you know? I think in any sport, people would understand that. Um, but, you know, they did kind of conk out when, you know, they went up against the best player in the world, and Jokic right now, I think, is the best player in the world. His stats, his, you know, the Russell Westbrook type, type fake looking stats, times the fact that he's also a, obviously a performer in, you know, high situation, high pressure situation moments, he's a killer, as people want him to be. And if he wins another championship, then he obviously is, you know, the best player in the world without a doubt. So, I think, you know, at this point, that's who I'm going to take. It's either him or Giannis, and I don't see Giannis dragging that team to the finals again in the East as easily as I see Jokic doing it in the West. And once you get to the finals against him, you know, that team's pretty dominant. He has the better team than Giannis, too, so... I think that that plays a huge role in it. But even if it plays a huge role in it, doesn't matter. It's who's winning, who's showing up. And right now it's Jokic, by far. It's Jokic. Number one. Like...
number one, tampon in steak. He is number one. But, you know who isn't number one? The Celtics. Who lost to the Heat. Who we just talked about should not have been beating anybody. Seventh seed, I think. They had to fight back from a 0-3 deficit to try and win in Game 7 where Jason Tatum gets hurt, Jalen Brown plays where without a left hand apparently, and you know, the team just falls apart after a great showing to, you know, rally back against the Sixers, they just couldn't do it again against the, um, against the Heat, but how could you expect them to when they couldn't really even dominate the the Hawks like they dominated the Nets last year in that first round. I mean, at the end of the day, they they had a Hawks team that looked pretty friggin' horrible for a lot of the season and should not have been, you know, giving them the fits of struggles that they were giving them. But at the end of the day, the Celtics just aren't that tough and allowed that to happen. So when you look at what happened with the Heat, that team that's tough as nails, there was nothing the Celtics could allow to happen. They just had that shit taken from them and that's where it's just disappointing to see is it's not something they want it's something that's being taken from them and I'm just hoping that you know this is something that is motivating for them because this is going to be a high pressure situation for this team in terms of their asses are on fire now last year people were like keep it together keep it together keep it together now they're like maybe split it up Jalen Brown maybe not that guy Jason Tatum, possible, but everybody else has to be considered a maybe, you know? Like, that's it. And I, I, I agree with that. You know, if you look at it on a per-player and coach basis, obviously the coach is an issue. Obviously, he's the youngest coach in the league, took over one of the toughest situations, and from this point on has to deal with a high-pressure highly volatile situation with a bunch of honestly pretty bradish players you know last year I gave the Celtics the excuse of having to go down the toughest road to the championship but this one was kind of it just wasn't the same thing um they did have to march through the Sixers I just don't think that that was that insane you know I don't think the Hawks and the Sixers with the hurt Joel Embiid should have been as tough as it was for the team that we have and it was that's the reality of the situation is it was really tough for them and it knocked them to the point where they could not compete against that heat let them go on to face the Nuggets and the Nuggets rolled them because they shouldn't even have been there it should have been the Celtics and that would have been a competitive series, in my opinion. I mean, it, they may have still lost, but I think it would have been competitive. And that's the thing that pisses me off, is they gave up that competition in a good NBA Finals that was highly viewed in terms of, you know, recent performances. And they gave that up for... I don't even know, like... They just gave it up for nothing, really. You know, they gave it up for... 
their coach, they gave it up for themselves, everything. They just gave up for everything. I think that this is a good time to say that, you know, we should take a second to look back and really realize how unimportant that regular season was and regular seasons are in general. That great starting to the Celtics regular season and the awesome regular season from the Bruins should just really exemplify how unimportant regular seasons are in sports that are have that many games. People just rest. People have to rest to make the playoffs and look good in the playoffs as long as they know their team is good enough to get the playoffs. They can do what they have to do in the playoffs and rest to that point. Jimmy Butler and the Heat, Lakers and Anthony Davis and LeBron James have just put on the biggest advertisement display for resting your players throughout the regular season you can do because guess what? Look at how far they got after being 7th and 8th seeds. You know, they, they could have been in the championship together. They, but they ended up just one of them, which is really good at the end of the day. It's two out of four and one out of two in the championship, you know? I mean, 50% all the way through. So, at the end of the day, you know, stop playing Jason Tatum into the fucking ground during the regular season. In the finals, whatever, and then the playoffs, whatever. He's young. He can do it. Obviously, he can do it. But in the regular season, he doesn't need to be the leading player. He does. He's not going to win an MVP unless he plays better, really. Like, you know, I mean, it's not about how many minutes he plays. It's about if he plays better or not. Like, it's, that's the main difference. So stop playing him, you know, significantly past the... Let's see. minutes played in the playoffs you have Jason Tatum still top three even though he didn't play in the finals and the other players in the top five did but outside of that there's actually no player on the Lakers until 14 so let's look at regular season though. So Jason Tatum did end up playing the most minutes per game for anyone who is actually playing like a decent amount of minutes per game where I just think that that's a that's a dominant showing of 
especially for the teams that are out there, you know, the Celtics were leading where other teams were, these other teams were trying to fight for playoff spots who had people who were at the, had the most minutes per game. All around it just shows that he's just focused on his personal stats way too much, and I know that's something stupid to say for a lot of players, but it just is true about Jason Tatum. He's not wanting anything, and he plays like, he acts like he's won the whole championship and everything back around because he made the Eastern Conference Finals a couple times and the finals once and lost in six games to a Warriors team that just wasn't that good I mean all around the team is very unsuccessful in the past 15 years and you know outside of their last title their last very unsuccessful in the last 35 years and that's why I don't think you should blow it up, but Jalen Brown has very slow, like thin ice, <coughs> in my opinion. He's already shown that he wants to leave. He's already said it. So that should already be in consideration. If he doesn't love Boston, you should not be, make him the highest played player in the paid player in the NBA in Boston. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, he's not as good as Damian Lillard, and he's going to make more than Damian Lillard. He's not as good as a lot of these other players, and he's going to make more than them. I would rather have one of these other players, Jamal Murray, who was drafted after Jalen Brown. I would rather pay him significantly less than what you're going to have to pay Jalen Brown because Jamal Murray's not an all-star than pay Jalen Brown for what he's going to get. It's just not worth it to me. I'd rather watch Jalen Brown go win championships and with the Nuggets because he can't draw a with his left hand, and I don't trust him to win. I really do not trust him to win. And if he was on the Nuggets, I think that that TD would be completely different. I think Gordon Ryan, Aaron Gordon, Gordon Ryan, <laughs> BJJ moment, Aaron Gordon and him would, you know, whatever, they'd beef. He, he, he would think that the, uh, the Denver has a bad history and, you know, he would have issues there. You know, of course they wouldn't pay him that money because Denver is probably not dumb. But in reality, he's going to go to some crappy team that's going to struggle with him, maybe get an extra, like, 15 wins a year and be, like, a, a ninth seed instead of an 11th seed, you know. Maybe he can go be in the Washington Wizards and replace Bradley Beal for a little bit. But at the end of the day, he would be better on the Celtics playing here with our team if he could just relax and focus on the basketball and do his thing here. Of course, you know, there's no reason he's not doing that. It's just he has to. Everything has to make sense. Everything has to wrap around. Because right now, it just clearly is not. And... I think that... Something I wanted to talk about, just on another point, is... If we're looking at the finals MVPs... Just, like, something I've been on my mind. I think it's a good indicator as to, like, who, you know, 
the the killers, the best talent of the NBA is. You know, if you're looking throughout it, it's repeats of the same greats. You know, you see people like Steph Curry, you see people like Katie. I mean, and Steph Curry got one just now, but hey, you got us. Steph Curry, KD, LeBron, you got, um, obviously if you go further back, you have people like Dirk, you have people, you have Kawhi up there, um, you know, just a lot of people that have shown to be the best talent of the NBA consistently. Out of the last 20 three years, only three players have not been in the top 75 to win the championship outside of Jokic, who I think is going to be in the top 75 next you know, should have been, but if he had won his ring one year ago when Jamal Murray got hurt, he'd be in the top 75 but he didn't, you know, that type of thing so I just think that Jokic is, but you know, outside of that you have Chauncey Billups, you have um who is it? You have Chauncey, Andre Ugadala, and Tony Parker, who are those three players, who are exceptional talents and people who are still talked about today, especially, you know, Chauncey Billups and Tony, Tony Parker. But I think that when I was looking at the list, something that's just, like, kind of struck me was that a lot of the talent isn't the people that we have for that new generation of stars. You know, you have a lot of people who have kind of popped up in the last few years. You have obviously Tatum and Brown, who have not won anything up until this point and are still very young. You have Booker. You have Morant, Embiid, Young, Trey Young, I mean, and Luka Doncic, and even kind of Butler, all named as really potential stars, greats, you know, who, depending on the name, whatever, where their star power is, but, you know, None have sealed the deal, and they all need to. It's just something that I, I'm a little bit worried about, you know, this next generation of talent and the idea of whether or not they're killers. I think it could be true. You, you see that there's a certain personality trait in the people that win these championships, and you, you see, like, um, you see Jason Tatum versus... Giannis. I think everybody before they had won rings was saying that Giannis was a, a different kind of guy than a lot of the NBA players, and now that he's won rings or won a ring, they say that the same exact thing. I just don't think they'll say that about Jason Tatum. They'll say that he's great, but they just won't say that his personality and mindset and his killer instinct was the thing that got him there, and that's what worries me. Is you know. Maybe Booker will have that, but a lot of these guys that I'm naming, they all seem like, you know, they they don't have what it takes to take the team to the end. And hopefully it's the age thing that these guys are just on the younger end of what this list is. But those names that are killers, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough to meet them. And a lot of these guys, I, I'm, I'm getting scared that they're going to have the ability to, you know, I mean... You can either be a Charles Barkley, who is a great, will always be a great, and will always have his name listed up there, but to be the bus driver and to be Shaq is honestly just better. Like, his name will be remembered deeper into the history books than Charles Barkley's, and it's because of the rings. The rings make the difference. The rings make Jordan the GOAT. 
the rings are, you know, the thing that keeps Bill Russell remembered as much as Wilt Chamberlain, if not more. It, it always comes down to that form of dominance. And, you know, these guys, they have to do it. Look at Dirk. He is remembered as a completely different star because of his ring. If they don't get this, if Tatum doesn't get it, he won't be remembered as even close to Dirk. If he does not win a ring. But just something I thought about. Want to get into the UFC. Um. Oh. God. I said two. 279? God, it's 289. Two, 297, 279, I said. I don't know what I said when I said that Unite's card was that. But I, th it, I think it's UFC 289. Um, and Nunes, of course, we talked about it, wrapped up her career, you know, dominated, secured the GOAT status. Nunes, the GOAT, fuck everybody else, fuck what they say, let's go. Um,. And Olive wins. Oliveira, he has a name. The champion has a name. You know, I, I definitely think that it's awesome to see him win. Awesome to see the Canadian fans, you know, show their support for him so freaking heavily. Which, of course, I expect because he's one of the faces of the UFC. I mean, I could have told you that. But, you know, to see it actually play out in real time, it's just awesome. I think that everybody resonates with the story, resonates with the toughness, and, you know, just this finishing ability. I think that's the, the key factor, is when a person wants to go out there and finish every single fucking time, people want to watch the fight and want that dude to win. Same thing with Mike Tyson, you know, I think that people just want to see that dude rip people apart, and as much as people want to see him lose to some degree, no. I mean, you do, because, you know, lose by finish a lot of the time, but... Most people want to go in there and see that fucking, you know, that dude win that championship at least because of the heart, the love, the fight, and everything around it. So, after writing him off again, you know, he, he probably is going to fight Islam for the championship in Abu Dhabi. I, 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 would, I find it hard to, you know, bet against my boy Olive again because... You know, I bet, him, bet on him the first time. I had my argument as to why I thought he would win. And, you know, I think that obviously it fell apart. But he had the nerve. He had everything riding against him. It was in Islam's home territory. First time fighting him. This guy had everything going for him. I really hope that Charles wins. But I can't really say that it, he will. You know, Islam's too good. Islam has not lost sitting in front of my eyes and you know up until this point he's looked at completely dominant uh, outside of the Volk fight where he had some holes but still won and had great stand up great ability to do certain things I think that it's going to be very tough for Islam to do anything uh, Charles to do anything without the stand up and I think Islam's stand up is surprisingly better than most people thought and better than Charles and from that reason he's not going to be able to do anything on the ground or do much on the ground or standing up and that worries me it really does you know it, that's why I can't really bet against Charles outside of how much I love him it just you know there's some degree of factual analytical thought process that has to be taken into it and I don't see him 
being more, I know I see him being superior in any facet of the game, you know, on the ground, standing up. I think that he's superior to pretty much everybody else in the world standing up, or everybody else in his division standing up, and Islam Makashev is better than him. And so when you think about that, it's like, these guys are fucking, you know, they, there are levels to it. And hopefully, you know, Charles can win and prove that he's on that level. But right now, we have nothing to go against with Islam outside of the fact that if your cardio is insane and you can keep on pumping, you definitely can get the win. You can even probably knock him out to some degree or, you know, finish him. It looked like Volk had the opportunity to at different points in the fight, and Charles is probably a more apt finisher than Volkanovski. So, we'll have to see. Um, we got the Justin and Dustin fight going on soon uh, for the BMF title, which apparently Nate Diaz does not think they deserve because they're a bunch of dorks kind of agree. I don't think they really are bad motherfuckers in terms of personality. They're really nice dudes in terms of you know how they present themselves and everything. I think that the whole idea of it was supposed to be they're assholes. Abrasive. Fuck you. Like that type of thing. So I, I do get what he's talking about but I think that you know it'll still be an awesome fight because they're bad motherfuckers in the ring and that's really what matters and at the end of the day, like, who fucking cares when they're gonna fucking rip each other apart? These guys are gonna destroy each other, and it's gonna be an awesome whopping show. And, you know, hopefully everybody is gonna get to see a, like, a great knockout by at least one of them, and hopefully, you know, I think, in my opinion, I, I wanna see Justin get his win, you know? I think he's moving up in the division, and I'm ready to see his dominance. I, I'm a Justin Gaethje fan. So, you know, hopefully Justin Gaethje wins and goes and gets choked out by Charles Oliveira. That's that's my dream. That's my dream. You know, Oliveira wins his title. Islam doesn't get his rematch. Gaethje does, and we see we see Oliveira choke him out to retain his title. So. UFC 292 is coming up with Boston being the uh, mean for Boston being where it's at. Pretty excited for it. It should be good if O'Malley and uh, Sugar Sean are fighting. O'Malley and Aljo are fighting, but at the end of the day, I am a little bit worried because that could be a boring fight if it doesn't end up with O'Malley getting a knockout or something of that nature, or also even, you know, submitting him. So I'm just in this kind of facet where if they don't fill that fight with good car fights, especially after the one that's before it in, like, fucking St. Louis or something, it's like, I'm not paying for tickets to go watch some bullshit when you just filled up mad cards with good ass fights and I'm having to pay for those too like now I'm gonna go pay to watch something live for these bullcrap fights and then Aljo dry humps Sean O'Malley for five rounds I'm good I'm, I'm good on that 
I mean, I do want to pay and go and see and watch it for you guys too, but I just am not spending money for Dana White to go and fuck me, okay? That's not my idea of a good time. So, we'll see. I'll keep you guys updated. Hopefully the card improves. Still not a lot of information. Co-main event is a woman's belt, so that's why I'm like really, really hardcore on. I know that there's a lot of good fights lined up to that fight, but please fill that Boston card up. Please, please, please. I also think that I want to do a little bit on the quick turnaround time for Aljo. It's a little bullshit, obviously. Everybody knows that Dana White is trying to fuck Aljo, obviously. I get why. He's a boring fighter. He has boringly taken a lot of title defenses and secured a spot at the top of history in his division without really doing too much in terms of impressing anybody. So, you know, you have a dude who can kind of be a cash cow and for himself and for the UFC. And I think that they want to give him that opportunity in a place like Boston, obviously. And for that reason, I get it. But at the end of the day, I think that Aljo does have a place at the top of his division's history. And for that reason, he deserves the respect to choose not to turn around in four months to fight some fucking bum who has not really proven anything in the UFC outside of a super bullshit win over Piotr Jan and then sitting out for months until this one. But it's what happens. We'll have to see. And hopefully, you know, Sean O'Malley gets shoved back into the fucking mountains of Montana or whatever the fuck he's from. Some fucking bumfuck little town fucking polygamous fucking bullshit areas where you get rainbow dyed hair. So some other fights that have been announced are the Hamza and Hamaru Abu Dhabi has been announced as a potential fight. We talked about how Hamza hasn't been signed to any official fights yet, but that's something that could be really good for the both of them and, you know, would be beneficial for both of their careers in the way that Regardless of who wins, a lot of star power in an area where they're, where both Muslim populations will be watched very heavily, or both Muslim fighters will be watched very heavily, I just think that, you know, two dudes who are considered fucking beasts, top of the chain, food chain dudes in terms of the USC, will get the opportunity to face off and prove each other, you know? Prove each other's worth, and, you know, hopefully, you know, kind of act as like a the best form gatekeeper that you can possibly fucking be for Hamza. You know, better than even Gilbert Burns who put him through the fucking ringer. And maybe even he beats him and then shows that the dude isn't fucking... The f all the shit that he was... Everybody was eating his dick to be. But we'll have to see. 
Hamza has to fight. That's the issue, though. We just haven't seen him fight enough. We saw him rip some people apart, and we saw him really struggle to pull out a win over Gilbert Burns. So... Outside of that, um, I definitely want to talk about DeAndre Hopkins and the Patriots in terms of a more in-depth conversation. <sighs> of course I want him here. I think he's a great talent and really proves, improves our wide receiver room. But at the end of the day, I don't think that Kamara... Kamara... I don't think that DeAndre Hopkins makes enough of a difference in terms of the team's overall skill and talent to make it one or two game win difference. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is ever that good. I really, really don't get the overall hype. I mean, I know that he has great statistical seasons, trust me. Thousand yards, I get. I just don't think he was that good. I really don't think, like, no real winning to prove it. No. Nothing in terms of, you know, awards to prove it. So it's like, now he's old and not that good overall. So we're going to take him in and act like he's the fucking world saver, a world beater. No, I just think it's stupid. I think people are doing it because they have nothing left to cling on with the Patriots. Obviously, I have nothing left to cling on with the Red Sox. Celtics are tough. And Bruins fucked us all. So, you know, I think that clinging on to DeAndre Hopkins is a great thing to do in the m m most boring and tough Boston summers and recent sports memory. But I'm going to be a constant hater on DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's, you know, I think you should chase him. But at the end of the day, it's... Another wide receiver that I just considered. Ugh. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster and DeAndre Hawkins to me, get them, but they're, ugh. You just ended, like, this is the year you decided to go chase wide receivers. And it's one of the worst wide receiver cores you could have chased, and you didn't even get the best ones on the market. Somebody like Odell. You know, and I don't know where Odell is after that injury, but shit, I, I don't... I'm willing to take that risk over somebody like DeAndre Hopkins who doesn't even care at this point in his career probably, especially if he ends up in a location like the Patriots, right? I mean, you know, how how much is that going to take the energy out of him? I guess we'll see. Maybe it drives him, maybe it destroys his potential because he knows he's not going to win a ring most likely. Something else that I noticed or over the past month was that the NFL has implemented some rule changes during the offseason. One of them is that uh, they're flexing Thursday night games, and the other is that they are having all fair kicks brought out to the 25 yards yard line, regardless of where the the fair kick lands, whether it's on the in the end zone or the 5 to 10 yard line so it gives players the opportunity to just kind of you know safely fair kick a ball from wherever they want and makes running much less part of the game 
Um, that's also something that the college game does, and you know, it's implemented to reduce safety and injury, or increase safety and reduce injuries. Bullshit, of course, but you know, they, for the same reason, did that. They added the schedule flexing on Thursday games, which allows them to change the Thursday game for one that is more interesting, which would give them more potential to make Thursdays more interesting and, you know, more money for Thursday night football and the people who pay for those sponsor spots and the organizations that pay for Thursday night football in general. But the issue is, is the teams and the fans that pay to go to those places get fucked because they have to re-fucking, you know, schedule everything. So, it, it, it is, it's a catch 22 but it's finally happened and it's something that you know is obviously money based and same thing with the 25 yard line I think at the end of the day it's a way to shorten the game it's a way to you know change some of the aspects of the game but if it's player safety there's a lot of shit they could do to fix player safety that isn't something stupid like that they're not doing it for player safety um but yeah I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about, we can kind of summarize a little bit more in the next week. We definitely had to spend a little time on the Nuggets and their fucking awesome, awesome championship. We had to spend a little time on the Celtics and Boston in general and where we are with that team. Obviously, it's a very tough, tough spot. But the organization is really... Or our organizations are really, you know, have the opportunity to come back. But I I don't have any faith in them right now, you know? At this point, I feel like... Thinking what I'm thinking, partner. Aim for the bushes. I don't know if I placed it in that well, but this is the aim for the bushes episode because I have no faith in the fucking Celtics, the Patriots, the Bruins, or the Red Sox. So thank you for listening to Jacob. At night. And I'll talk to you later.